G'day everyone, welcome to this week's edition of the Road Less Travelled Podcast. My name is Nikki Shea. For the next half an hour or so, we'll be looking at some adventures that we've uh, taken part in and it will be heading from Kelbarry up towards uh, Exmouth. We did a few, probably a few uh, episodes back where we did uh, from Perth up to Kelbarry. Well, we're continuing that journey and we'll uh, talk a little bit about that. Uh, a little bit later in the show, of course, if you want to interact with us, drop us an email, fatcat at iinet.net.au, and that's fatcat with a P-H-A-T-C-A-T. You can check out all the episodes of the Road Less Travel podcast, as well as Fat Cat Media, by heading to our website, fatcatmedia.com.au, and again, that is fatcat with a P-H, just like to be different, and then you can always drop me an SMS on 42 and please interact with us, drop us a line if you've got ideas for upcoming shows, you'd like us to feature something, you want to talk to us about something, please don't hesitate to drop us a line. Now I've thought about a little bit uh, in between episodes as far as well, what we do is we tow vehicles and it's important to choose the vehicle that you're going to tow with and also choosing your recreational vehicle. Now, caravans have been the traditional recreational vehicle in Australia since pretty much the 1950s, but in the last few decades, camper vans and motorhomes have become an important sector in the market too. These sort of new kids on the block is also the fifth wheeler, which is a concept from the USA, where there are very few caravans. So many adventurous Australians who want to experience outback tracks, they buy a camper trailer, particularly as their first travelling vehicle. And after they've visited the outback area, some people change to a caravan or a motorhome where they have more comfort. Now, both caravans and motorhomes involve compromise. Everyone would like them to be bigger on the inside and smaller on the outside. Now, even without taking the budget into account, a buyer usually has to decide the priorities. Some people want all the comforts of home, while other travellers are happy with just the necessities. Now, if you intend to live permanently on the road, your needs will be different from someone travelling occasionally or for very short periods. With the keyword compromise in mind, choose a vehicle where for you, the advantages outweigh the disadvantages. Other buyers might come to a different conclusion because they will place more importance on certain aspects than you do. Research the market thoroughly to avoid buying a unit that is not right for you, particularly if it's your very first purchase, and don't rush your decision. Allow plenty of time so you don't feel pressured to buy second best just because it's available immediately, especially after the whole COVID-19 thing. There are numerous manufacturers with many of the larger ones selling through dealers, while some smaller manufacturers, they sell direct. They might not be all near, near your hometown, but most exhibit at the local caravan, camping and holiday shows, which are all held annually in several major cities around Australia. Many manufacturers too, they will also make to order or customise one of their designs, but this can entail a wait of several months and I'm actually at the moment several years for a lot of people who are wanting um, specific builds on their caravans. Now, comparing motorhomes with caravans and fifth wheelers, many people initially plan to buy a caravan simply because that's what they've seen all their lives. To make sure you select what's best for you, keep an open mind and look at everything available. Now, if you plan to use your van only a few weeks a year, a caravan would be a better choice than a motorhome. If you want to stay in one place for a week or two at a time, a caravan or a fifth wheeler will allow you to travel around with your tow vehicle. And if you want to travel several days each week, even if it's only 100 k's, a motorhome would possibly be more convenient. 
The advantages of motorhomes over caravans and these fifth wheelers. You don't need a suitable tow vehicle. This will be a considerable extra expense if you need to purchase one for a caravan or a fifth wheeler. Now, motorhomes are easy to handle and they don't suffer from sway or potentially dangerous, that is a potentially dangerous problem. A camper van or motorhome is only one unit to register and insure. A motorhome up to six metres or so in length can be parked in a normal parking space. For vehicles, though, that exceed 4.5 tonnes GVM and or with a combined length over 7.5 metres, there are legal restrictions on parking and travelling. Now, these restrictions will only apply to larger motorhomes, but all car-caravan combinations of fifth-wheelers are classified as long vehicles. The effect of side winds is minimal as all the weight of the vehicle is one unit. Wind pushed in front of a semi-trailer travelling in the opposite direction has a much greater effect on a lighter weight unit such as caravans and a much lesser extent to fifth wheelers. In virtually all motorhomes and camper vans you can access the driving cab without going outside and that gives you of course peace of mind regarding security. It's also very convenient too in bad weather. Camper vans and motorhomes usually have seating in the house section for passengers to use while travelling, and most motorhomes have facilities that give total freedom and allow the travellers to bush camp with shower, toilet, grey water storage. Although many caravans have a shower and toilet these days, not many have a grey water holding tank. Many caravanners prefer to book into caravan parks to have a secure place to leave the van while they go sightseeing and touring, whereas a motorhome can bush camp if they wish. You can do that to in a caravan. In a motorhome, your facilities are always available, so when you go sightseeing for the day, the kitchen facilities are available for morning tea and lunch, whereas if you have left the caravan behind, you'll have to pack a picnic basket and take a cooler box. Often, caravanners leave their van in a caravan park and go out for day trips, which requires backtracking at the end of the day. However, motorhomers can do their sightseeing and continue on their way. So on a long trip, for instance, around Australia, motorhomers would usually travel a much shorter distance in total rather than someone towing a caravan. Now, don't believe that motorhomers has to pack everything up just to buy a bottle of milk. In our years of travelling in a motorhome, there's only been a few occasions where a separate car would have been useful. However, with our sort of style of travelling is to travel on and we rarely stay in one place for more than a couple of days. We do our shopping during the day when we drive through a town. If a caravaner has to go out for a bottle of milk, they usually have to unhitch the van anyway or grab a push bike off the push bike rack. There are advantages of caravans and fifth wheelers over motorhomes. A caravaner has a separate vehicle for short trips, as we just mentioned, so they don't need to take their house with them everywhere. A caravaner has a vehicle to use as the family car, whereas with anything other than a small camper van, motorhomers usually have, well, they usually require a second vehicle to use when they're not travelling. Some bush tracks are not suitable for mid-size or larger motorhomes because of their height and also the width, and when there's corrugated roads, most motorhomes and camper van owners will not take their vehicle over it. If you tow a caravan with a four-wheel drive, you can go on many less accessible places, including some popular national parks. But before you start looking at vehicles, decide where you're going to travel and how much you intend to spend. Now, there are points to consider before you buy. And consider and discuss these questions before you start looking at vehicles. Even if you want to buy a second-hand unit, it's still worth looking at new ones to see what's available and help you, help you sort of work out what you want. We did copious amounts of probably years and years of research before we kind of knew what was on our wish list and what was on our necessities list. 
Look at what is your budget. That's the most important factor to consider. And if you intend to keep the vehicle for several years, do you plan to sell it after you've done a couple of trips? And when will you be travelling? Will you be travelling in cool or cold weather or summer as well? You need to check out the insulation. And do you want an inbuilt shower on toilet or do you intend to rely on facilities in caravan parks? If you want the freedom to bush camp, shower and toilet facilities are, of course, very desirable. And often when people start travelling, they assume they'll always stay in caravan parks. Later on, though, some people regret not having a more self-contained vehicle that gives them that freedom to choose, as well as saving a considerable amount of money on overnight camping fees. Now, are you prepared to make your bed up every night or do you want a bed that you can leave made up? Do you need extra sleeping places for family members to travel with you? Even occasionally, maybe a lounge that converts into a bed would be suitable. And then again, how many people do you need to seat at the dining table? Do you want to take a boat? You can use a boat loader to carry a tinny on top of the tow vehicle or camper trailer or a collapsible boat that can be strapped to the side of a caravan or a motorhome. So here's what to consider when you're looking. Accommodation area. The accommodation area of caravans and motorhomes have a lot in common, so check out these sort of aspects. Have a look at this. Look at the general spaciousness of the interior. If you are particularly tall, is there sufficient headroom? Can you live and move around in the house, in inverted commas? If there's a bathroom, is it large enough for you to shower? And is there sufficient headroom? And more often than less, head height in the bathroom because the floor is raised to allow the space for drainage pipes underneath. Speaking of the bathroom, if it has a small shower bath, make sure you can step in and out of the shower because the side is approximately knee height. These baths are handy to bathe a small child or rather difficult for an adult to use. Is there a curtain or a door to prevent the toilet getting wet when you use the shower? Then there's the type of toilet. The most common is a built-in unit with a cassette that's removed for emptying. Smaller vehicles have a portable toilet similar to a cassette toilet but not built in. There's a vacuum marine style toilet flush either to a cassette or a holding tank. And then there's flush toilets that empty into a black water holding tank. We've used portable toilets, cassettes and also a flush toilet with a black water tank and find that the cassette toilet is the most convenient. Other things to consider. Make sure that the bed is wide and long enough for you. If you need a particularly long bed, you may be able to fit an extending section. That's what we've done with ours. Also check that the bed is comfortable. A foam mattress on a solid solid base is comfortable. Um, It it might be somewhat hard though, but you can make it softer by adding a mattress overlay. The foam egg carton style overlay is also very effective. Check out the floor covering. Vinyl flooring is a much more practical aspect than carpet. It's easy to add a couple of mats that can be washed or replaced as necessary. And check that there's enough storage, working spaces, powerpoints and lights for your particular needs. Do you need space for a computer or a hobby craft equipment area? If you want to take bulky items such as golf clubs or fishing rods, where will you store them? And is there a house battery to run to run 12 volt lighting when it's not plugged into 240 volt power? Another thing to consider is windows and ventilation. Windows can be either glass or acrylic. The polycarbonate windows weigh less and do not break as easily as glass. However, they scratch pretty easy even when you clean them. Check that the windows are placed where you would like them and that they are large enough. There are three different types of windows, the louvers, the sliding and the wind-out or the push-out ones. The louvers are effective in allowing good ventilation and rain does not enter unless it's wind-driven. 
Wind-out windows provide good rain protection and a reasonable ventilation, but large windows of, of this sort of style bring security problems because they provide a point of access. Dometic wind-out windows are double-glazed for insulation, both heat and sound, and come with a pull-down fly screen made out of white mesh. With a sliding window, less than 50% of the window is available for ventilation and rain can easily enter. All these things to consider. And it's really important to consider all of these options, such as air conditioning. Do you want air conditioning in the accommodation area? You can only use it when it's hooked up to 240 volt power or when using a generator that's large enough for the purpose. Uh, roof hatches. Is it a large opening roof hatch? Uh, the Four Seasons hatch provides excellent ventilation when fully open. And flap style hatches and roof vents as well are worth considering. The kitchen. Is there a microwave? Is it installed in a convenient height? Is it easy to have an accident with hot food if the microwave is too high? But if it's too low, can it be inconvenient too? And is there enough working space for food prep and enough storage space? How many gas burners does the stove have? Do you do you plan on bush camping without a generator? Um, how about an electric fry pan? Can you use that in there? Is it enough room? Do you need an oven or a grill? And what type is the fridge? All of the electric or three-way? And as it, is it large enough? That's always a problem. Is your fridge large enough? So what next? Well, when you've narrowed down the options down to a short list, spend plenty of time sitting in each and move about as you would when living in it. Consider how you'd live in this confined space for a period of time. Although in good weather, you will probably spend a lot of time outdoors, you will most likely spend your evening inside. If you can't find a unit that exactly fits all your requirements, consider having a caravan or motorhome customised. Now, many companies companies are happy to do this and will work with you to achieve the best result. Usually, a smaller manufacturer will find it easier to accommodate changes as a large manufacturer might find it uneconomical to interrupt their production line. So before purchasing a caravan or camper trailer, make sure you consider the following options. They are so important. The tow vehicle, the weight of it as well, important to make sure, and we've spoken that in another episode, to make sure that you have the correct vehicle that's going to be able to tow it. And it's important to make sure too that you have the correct driver's license, that you maintain and are aware of the driving speed limits, um, how well the the weight is uh, distributed evenly over the van or the camper trailer for towing. Again, if it has a shower and toilet, the 12-volt system, you need to consider the gas cylinders, tandem axles, all kinds of things that you really need to put into perspective. And as I said, get yourself a wish list, get out with hubby or get out with the wife and have a look and start looking at what what options are available for your budget and for your requirements. And it makes, if you do the research now, and it doesn't matter if it takes you months or years, you will eventually find whether or not you want one that's got a double bed or if you want a queen-size bed or if you want two single beds or bunk beds or whatever. These are all the options that you need to consider when looking at purchasing either a caravan, a motorhome or a fifth wheel or whatever it is. Make sure that you do the research. The Road Less Travelled podcast is a proudly Australian, fiercely independent podcast hosted and produced by me, Nikki Shea, for Fat Cat Media. We receive no corporate payments, which means we rely on self-sufficient financial support. If you can and are able to, we would love you to support us via Patreon. Listen to the Road Less Travelled podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio. So this week, as I mentioned in the introduction to this week's episode of the Road Less Travelled podcast, I thought we'd take the journey from Calberry and head north towards Exmouth. And just to recap, if you've never been a part, uh, around that part of Western Australia, 
Perth to Exmouth road trip. Um, I guess we'll start there for those people that haven't done that before. West Australia is the self-declared road trip state. One of the best road trips in WA is the drive along the gorgeous Coral Coast. Now, from the lunar-like pinnacles to the wide spaces of WA's outback and the glistening sort of turquoise waters of the Ningaloo Reef, this awesome road trip from Perth to Exmouth, well, it packs a bit of a punch. There's plenty of highlights that you can do to get the most out of your travel along Australia's west coast. Perth to Geraldton is about 414 k's. You can do it in four and a half hours. Geraldton to Calberry, as we mentioned in a previous episode, 154 k's. You can do that in about just under two hours. And um, things to consider how much time you need. The Perth to Exmouth trip, as I said, um, that trip is 1,270 k's. If you drive straight through, you can do the trip in 12 hours driving time. For a road trip that includes stops at the major attractions, the recommendation is a minimum of six days, but you can make this trip last as long as you want. Driving distances are long, I'll give you that, and you really don't want to spend all your time doing nothing but driving. You'll miss out on stuff. Uh, all the options are there, and um, the idea is to, to you decide on what you want to see and what you want to leave out. When is the best time? Well, me personally, if I could pick, uh, a time to do this trip i'd choose probably april to june this is when the strong southerly winds ease up and the indian ocean becomes one huge lake and the sweltering heat turns to really nice sunny temperate days if you come for windy days choose october to january it's a very windy coastline i've even heard people from wellington in new zealand complain about the strong sea breeze so that's saying something so as i said perth to geraldton 414 k's um, you do the trip along the Indian Ocean Drive and it offers lots of sightseeing opportunities. The highlights include the Yanchep National Park where you can see koalas, the pinnacles, uh, the sand dunes around Lancelin, beaches along the turquoise coast and the oldest living organisms at Lake Thetis. For a comprehensive post that details all the attractions along the road, have a look at the Road Less Travelled and on Fat Cat Media. We've done plenty of blogs on that. Um, there's also some free camping sites along that lake road too. This road, speaking of that, can get very busy with sightseers on their way to the Pinnacles and beyond. On weekends and holidays, there's a heap of caravans and trailers and boats on the road and precariously very few overtaking options. Take care on this strip of road and stick to the speed limit. It's now been lowered to 100 k's an hour. Geraldton to Calbarry, as I said, just under two hours. If you haven't been before, a little recap. Geraldton is a small town that's come a long way in the last few years. It's a worthwhile stop on any Exmouth road trip. It's home to some fab beaches, cute little cafes, weekend markets, an excellent museum and a little Aboriginal art centre there too. Uh, Okabella Homesteads claim to fame that it's known to be one of the most haunted buildings in Western Australia. These days though, the homestead makes a fabulous stopover on a road trip to Exmouth, not least because of the delicious scones that you can indulge in on the veranda overlooking the historic buildings. Built in the 1850s, the historic site provides a fantastic insight into the lives of the early settlers in the region. You can take a tour of the buildings, including the original homestead, the stables and the living quarters. Then, of course, there's the tea room with those scones and other indulgences, along with Coronation Beach on the coast. Okabella offers cheap camping if you want to stay the night. Uh, Northampton is a quaint little historic town north of Geraldton. Make you feel like you've stepped back in time. The main street is lined by old colonial buildings, quaint little shops and a few good old-fashioned pubs. Off the main road is the impressive St Mary's Church, built by renowned priest and architect Monsignor Hawes, 
whose churches throughout the Midwest of WA are one of the architectural masterpiece. On to Horrocks Beach. To most people's surprise, Horrocks Beach won the accolade as the best mainland beach in Australia back in 2017. Take a trip to this little coastal community. Decide for yourself if it is indeed the prettiest beach in WA. It's an 18-kilometre drive from the Kelbarry Road to get to Horrocks. However, there's now a new road heading out towards Port Gregory, which makes for a nice coastal drive and lessens that extra k's on the road. The Principality of Hutt River, located before point, uh, point Port Gregory, Hutt River Province is one of WA's oddities. It's a micronation, succeeded from Australia in 1970 be, to become its own independent nation. If you have spare time on your drive to Exmouth, then a visit to Hutt River is, well, it's a unique experience. You can take a visit to the Principality, principality to meet the King and get your passport stamped. For more on this micronation, including history and full details, uh, have a look at the Principality of Hutt River, H-U-T-T. For Instagram-worthy pictures, make a beeline for the Pink Lake on the Hutt Lagoon near Port Gregory. The lake constantly changes colour and the intensity will depend on the time of day and the cloud coverage. Kelbury, one of my favourite places. The scenery changes drastically the closer you get to Kelbury and the red plunging coastal cliffs are truly breathtaking. Take a stop before you get into town for some absolutely spectacular coastal scenery keep an eye out for the migrating humpback whales in autumn and spring. Kelbarry is a thriving coastal town. It's got lots of land and water-based activities. The star attraction is the National Park and the Gorges. And my favourite things there just to watch the surfers at Jake's Point. Fantastic seafood dinner, but to go out and just enjoy that National Park and plenty of bush walks and the views along the gorges. Absolutely sensational. Absolutely stunning. Love it. From Kelbarry, you move to Monkey Mile, which is for about a four and a half hour drive in the car, about 400 kilometres. I've heard lots of different opinions about making the trip to Denham or Monkey Mile on a Perth to Exmouth road trip. The main consideration, though, is that from the Northwest Coastal Highway, it's a 129 kilometre drive to get to Denham, and the road seems to stretch on forever. It does. In short, I'll give you the heads up, it's not a quick detour. Depending on how much time you have on your Exmouth road trip, you may want to make it or you may not want to choose this option and drive to Carnarvon instead. My advice though, folks, if you're planning to go to Monkey Mile for one night only, my recommendation is not to go because it's a long way in and you have to take that exact way back out again the next day. Allow yourself two to three days if you've got a few extra days. The Shark Bay Heritage Area is a nature's paradise that's worthy of exploring. The highlights, unbelievable. The Billabong Roadhouse, for example, petrol stations, now they begin to get pretty sparse from here onwards and it's well worth stopping for fuel when you have the chance. We always stop at the Billabong. Uh, it usually has the cheapest fuel and the inside of the Roadhouse is worth a look for all the photos and memorabilia. And the Billabong Roadhouse also offers free camping if you need a place to rest. Shell Beach is made up of exactly that, millions and millions and millions of tiny white shells stretching along the beach for an incredible 70 kilometres. Now Shell Beach is located on the Denham, Ham Denham Hamlin Road, 45 kilometres before Denham. Now imagine seeing the first life on earth. It sounds incredible but that's what the thrombolites and the stromolites are. They're the earliest organisms on earth that are responsible for the oxygen we have on earth. And Hamlin Pool is only, I think it's one of the only sites in the world where these incredible organisms still exist. You can check them out at uh, Hamlin Pool. 
On to Denham. It's a little coastal community located on the bay of the Shark Bay World Heritage Area. It's a good base for exploring the rest of the area and only a short drive from Monkey Mire. The main advantage of staying at Denham is that it's got all the amenities including supermarkets and a good selection of caravan parks too. Monkey Mile, wow, what can I say about it? It's synonymous with dolphins who regularly come to feed in the sheltered waters here. Some people come away disappointed with the dolphin experience. Now, I'll let you know, it has become a tourist hub and feeding sessions are strictly regulated. So folks, at best you can expect to feed the dolphin a fish along with many, many other people. It is though a nice way to come close to dolphins and see them up close in the clear waters. But if you're looking for like a David Attenborough experience, it's not going to happen. While most people only come for the dolphins, Monkey Mire has plenty of other things going for it. This area is WA's first World Heritage listing due to its incredible wilderness and the diversity of the marine life there. This area too has one of the world's largest populations of dugongs and turtles. Shark Bay to Carnarvon. That is 325 kilometres, about, I reckon, three and a half hours you can get it done. And from Shark Bay to Carnarvon, it's back along the same road on the Northwest Coastal Highway and on to Carnarvon. It's pretty much the desert starts to meet the sea. Shark Bay World Heritage Area is straight line. It's just a straight line road. You can, however, drive along the highway and the idea of the riverfront retreat seems unlikely, but that's exactly what Wurrumul is. This is an awesome working station that offers a real outback experience. Wurrumul offers true outback hospitality. It's one of the best overnight spots on the road trip to Exmouth. There are camping sites along the riverbanks, which depending on the rainfall, this might be dry or flowing, camp oven dinners and amazing natural hot ball baths. On to Carnarvon. It's known as Western Australia's food bowl and it produces the majority of fresh fruit and vegetables for the state of WA. This means that it's a pretty good place to stock up on fruit and veg. The best way to do this is along the Gascoigne Food Trail. The trail takes you past all the best plantations where you can buy direct from the growers. Another good reason to stop in Carnarvon is for a visit to the Space Museum where you can dress up as an astronaut. It's also the best place to hit the supermarket and stock up on supplies before you go further north. Carnarvon to Exmouth, uh, just under four hours, about 363 kilometres. You'll find blowholes and the road to the Red Bluff and Naraloo. Once past Carnarvon, the road continues north. There's an option to take a trip to the blowholes and the strip of coastline from Quabba Station to the Red Bluff and Naraloo Station. The Carnarvon blowholes are a natural phenomenon and shoot water through cracks in the granite rocks, making a massive roar in the process. They are particularly impressive on days with big swell. These blowholes are located 75 kilometres from Carnarvon, and again, it's not a quick detour. If you have time, there are some excellent camping options at Quabba Station and further along the track to Nalu. Located 237 kilometres from Carnarvon, Coral Bay. It's a small seaside town located along the Mingaloo Reef. Snorkelling and diving are absolutely amazing here. You can literally access the reef from the beach in no time. No boats required, just walk out there and start snorkelling. It's a fantastic place to chill and relax for a few days. There are two caravan parks in Coral Bay. Both get very, very busy during the holiday times. And it's great fishing there at Coral Bay. Bulara Station is located between Coral Bay and Exmouth. 
It is a working outback station and an awesome spot to experience true outback hospitality. It's open between April and October and has affordable bush-style camping sites with communal campfires, barbecues and seasonal activities. The termite mounds. Well, let me tell you this. Once on the road from Coral Bay to Exmouth, these incredible structures start popping up across the landscape. Created by tiny termites, these little fortress structures are like medieval fortresses with kings and queens and soldier termites doing all the hard slogs. Take a stop on the road uh, to Exmouth where you can take a close look and read more about these little creatures behind these mounds. Exmouth is the gateway to Cape Range National Park and much of the sensational Ningaloo Reef. It's a top town and it is an absolutely bang-up place to use as a base to explore the surrounding area and offers plenty of conveniences. My favourite thing is the emus who frequently just seem randomly leisurely strolling up and down the main road. The highlight, of course, of any road trip to Exmouth is swimming with whale sharks. Whale shark tours operate from Exmouth from April to October. And there you have it. All the details for a fantastic drive from Perth to Exmouth. I really recommend that you do it. It is um, Exmouth. I heard a lot of different stories about Exmouth and you go in there with an open mind. It's a fantastic place to even just jump on the plane and fly up there for a holiday. Uh, The water is just absolutely crystal clear. It's like something you would expect to see um, in the Bahamas. Crystal clear waters, crisp white sand on one side of Exmouth. On the other side of Exmouth is... um, the national parks and the gorges the colors of the gorges there's beautiful reds and pinks it's just stunning scenery true outback scenery and that of course is the cape range national park do yourself a favor base yourself in exmouth or jump out to cape range national park there is so much to see and do we ran out of time but it is definitely on the bucket list to go back and do it when you've got when we've got plenty more time to really give it the um the exploring that it deserves check out Exmouth, absolutely fantastic and that brings us to the end of this week's show i can't believe how quickly these podcasts just half an hour just absolutely flies and i hope you are enjoying it. if you're listening to us in the car maybe you're on your own little road trip and you've decided to download download all the road less travel podcasts i hope you're enjoying them and if you've got some information that again you want to drop uh, drop us a line and interact with the show please do so by dropping us an email, fatcat at iinet.net.au, or drop me an SMS or give me a call on 042-752-8467. My name is Nikki Shea. You've been listening to the Road Less Travelled podcast, and I hope to catch you somewhere out there on the Road Less Travelled. See you next week. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. This has been the Road Less Travelled, a podcast about travelling and camping on the road. Written and hosted by me, Nikki Shea, produced by Fatcat Media. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we'd love you to leave a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Even better, please leave a review. Any comments or questions, please email fatcat at iinet.net.au. And to be notified on the new episodes, make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed. We'll be back with a new episode next week.